I want to pray as we come into this time again, and I know we just prayed, and I just prayed, and all of that, um, but sometimes I know what we need is just more prayer. And I know that I truly need prayer as we come into this message today. So let us come before the Lord. God, you are holy and faithful and loving and kind. Your grace is enough for us, especially when we are weak and and not living up, not measuring up to the standard by which you have, have given for us. I do pray, Lord, that this time in the word would be a time where we are inspired and motivated and led in praise and honor of you. Um, God, also into the introspection of our lives, Lord, that we might find ourselves in need of repenting. For God, it is a good thing for us to repent. It is a good thing for us to come before you and recognize the need in our lives. So Lord, I pray you would lead us in that today, myself first, and all of us together. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to your spiritual life, have you made it far enough? When it comes to your spiritual life, what is your limit? How deep is deep enough? How far is far enough? One of the things that I hear from people in the world, and this has come from friends and family in my own life, is this comment upon us as Christians, especially the most passionate of us, that says this, hey, a good bit of religion is fine, but you're taking it a little too far, right? I mean, like, it's okay to go to church on Sunday and Wednesday, but do you really need to do this and this and this? I mean, do you really need to actually think that what's in the Bible might matter to you, okay? When it comes to your spiritual life, how deep is deep enough? How far is far enough? See, I think there's a lot of times where we might actually agree with the world. We, we look at our lives and say, I'm far enough along. We might actually think to ourselves, I've come to a place, the, the place that I need to get to. And church, we need to challenge that today. So when we think about our Christian lives, I just want you to know there is no place that is too deep. There is no place that is too far because we worship a God who is infinitely awesome. Right? Who is amazing. We could literally spend every moment of the rest of our lives... And we would still only but have a shadow of understanding of who our God is. How far is too far? How far is far enough? How far is deep enough? When we really think about what it means to know the Lord and be in relationship with him. We worship a God of infinite power, complexity, and love. And yet most of us are willing and content to settle for a shadow of our Lord 
in knowledge of our Lord. Now I know I'm coming out of the gate pretty hard here. I've had a couple weeks off. <laughs> My fear is that when we come to where we are okay in the Lord, where, where we settle, that a few things are coming up and, and a few things that are sinful, they might be some of these. I'm afraid that when we decide that we are far enough along that what happened is that pride shows its ugly head. When our quest to understand the complexities of God ends because we think we've gotten to a good place. Or perhaps our apathy shows when we are unconcerned that our God is literally unknown by thousands of people around us. Or that our fear shows itself when because of the spiritual growth we have felt, it is hurt. Have any of you ever grown in the Lord enough that it hurt? I'm talking about like growing pains that little kids have as they shoot up really fast, and it just aches. Yeah. Sometimes we get afraid, don't we? We say, Lord, I'm going to stop asking for humility or patience. Because we know that those things almost always come through some kind of pain. Or maybe it's our tiredness that shows that quite honestly we are living our life by our own ends and not by his. See, these are sins that come out when we Stop growing. When we stop moving forward, church, how far is far enough? How deep is deep enough? We got a little theologian over here. <laughs> Friends, for the last uh, really couple months, it was supposed to be a month, uh, we have been working through our mission, our vision, and our core commitments here at Calvary. A reminder of where we've come from and where we're going, right? Our vision to make Jesus non-ignorable in Lahana and to the ends of the earth. Our mission to do so by making joyful, passionate disciples of Jesus Christ that guides everything we do here, or at least everything we try to do here. And our core, four core commitments that we've got up here, we're missing one because it won't come up until we get to it. The cross, to worship God passionately, right? To, to worship him passionately. The puzzle pieces, right? Scott talked about this last week, that we would connect with one another authentically. And this week we are on the tree, which is to grow to know God deeply. Grow to know God deeply. A tree, it's a pretty fitting picture of this. Now, I will uh, be honest at this point. I, I think this picture is a little lacking. I'll tell you why in a minute. See, church, we are a lot like trees. What you see is often determined by what you do not see. When you look at a tree, you can see its trunk, its branches, its leaves, and hopefully its fruit. But what you cannot see usually is what? its roots. And that's the very thing that's missing from this picture up here. When I'm in the mountains, my eyes are almost always huge and looking out. 
right? You guys, if you've known me any time, if you're even new, you'll know this in about seven seconds. I absolutely love the outdoors. I love the mountains. I love hiking. I love all that stuff. I've also grown to appreciate the plains, right, Missy? To appreciate the canyon lands, God's creation. So much so that sometimes as, as I'm looking out, I often miss what's close by. But when I have those moments, especially in the mountains, although I'm seeing it on the rims of the canyons, and I start looking closer, what I see are these gnarly, ugly, crazy-looking trees that maybe have been there for a thousand years. But they're still only about this big. What you see in those trees is this gnarly exterior that just doesn't look very good, although it looks pretty cool. And as you go down, you get to the roots, and in a lot of these places, there's not enough soil. And so what you see, and there's a picture of it up here, if we, if we can get it up. I've got two pictures here, and then there's one more. You see these roots just on the rocks spreading out. What's hidden is made clear and is obvious. And what you see is that these root systems that are in absolutely nothing grow these strong trees that survive these crazy mountain or prairie storms. Fingers desperately clinging to the rock because if they didn't, they would fall. Like I said, you and I are a lot like trees. I love these pictures. I love when I'm hiking and I find one of these moments where these, these trees, you're just like, what is it feeding off of? What is there? And if it let go, it would be lost forever. Root systems that stretch far and wide oftentimes. You can picture it in just the right spot where, where they've just gone out. How deep and how wide are your roots? Do your roots reflect the depth and the width of God? Now, I'm not saying we're going to match God's depth and width, right? We can't. But what we can do is reflect that, right? As far and as wide we reach as far and as wide as we can as we put roots down in order to grow. The question comes, what are we rooted to? And I want to be honest right here. I, I am at pains to adequately describe what we root to right now. I don't have enough time. You guys wouldn't give me the time. Not a one of you. To adequately describe what it is that we need to root into. If I had a week, I couldn't do it. Fortunately, I don't have to do it. And the Bible does a pretty good job. Revelation 1, 4 through 8. If you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. We're going to jump around a little bit. I'll tell you where we are. But I, I want you to hear this. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. What do we root to? This is, this is the answer to that. In as short as I can get. <laughs> I wanted to just read the whole book of Revelation to you guys. Figured that wouldn't fly. 
Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are above before his throne. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Moving to verse 12. Then I turned... John's writing, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Have you ever been by many waters? Deafening. In his right hand, he held seven stars. He's holding seven stars. Just picture that. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Friends, a couple weeks ago, I was out dove hunting in the evening, and it was so smoky, you could look at the sun without it burning your eyes. And yet... On other days, without the smoke, if you even look at the sun for half of one second, it burns light. Jumping ahead to Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. He sat there, had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. We can't even picture this, people. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, I'm not concerned at all with the angels and the beings and the seraphim and all these things going on, but all these things are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Move ahead to Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and hear this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep 
loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Hear this. He's weeping because there's no salvation if the scroll isn't opened. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll and his seven seals. Now, I just want you to take one thing and, and put it on this hand right here, okay? In this hand is the gl glory of God, the most amazing, uh, magnificent, wonderful. Words can barely describe it even when they're given to us by God himself, right? And then on the other hand, we turn and we go to Matthew chapter 8. I invite you to go there. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. This is about Jesus. It's right after the Sermon on the Mount. He's just preached the longest sermon I've ever read, okay? If I preach for as long as Jesus did here, I'm unconscious afterwards. Jesus is coming down from the mountain. It says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. He says, go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So on the one hand, you have this glory of God that is absolutely unreachable by any of us. And then on the other hand, you have Jesus who, coming down from the mountain, reaches out and touches this leper and makes him well. Who cares enough about one leper to go out of his way on a day when he had just been preaching to maybe thousands. Guys, this is the one that we root to. This is the one we root to. That is unbelievable. That, that one such as the God of the universe would come down and be with us. Right? This is what we root to. And this is the one that we are content to not know. That we are content to trade glory for any number of other things. As if we could learn and know everything we need to know about God in a 45-minute sermon on Sunday morning. In an hour and a half long community group on Wednesday night. What are we trading for the glory of God? What are we giving away, church? So Jesus gives a warning. If you go back a little from uh, Matthew 8 into the Sermon on the Mount uh, to uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, here's what it says. Most of you have heard these words before. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and it was a great fall. We either root our lives on Christ or we lose everything. If you go to Isaiah chapter 1 uh, verses 2 through 6, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people. Sorry, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. O sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Guys, they're describing here the nation of Israel, the, the people of God. And this terrible fate of, of just evildoers and this community that is broken by sin and ugliness. Do you see what the source of all of that is? Verse 3. Even the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand friends the root of sin starts with a lack of knowledge and understanding and yet the ox the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib friends when you you read this here's a a good way of thinking about this the the ox knows its master and and the the donkey its home it knows where its place is, right? But Israel did not know, they did not understand. I'm going to say something hard here, as if I haven't already. Something that some of us, including on some days I know myself, I don't want to hear, I don't want to contemplate or think about. But let me say it. If you do not have a desire to know God deeply... If you do not have a desire to know God deeply, to grow in your understanding, your knowledge, your wisdom of and love for God, then I cannot be sure in any way that you are saved. I can't, and you can't. Because to know God is to seek after him. To know God is to know how little we know of God and want more. Last week, Scott talked, I think it was last week, it was the last two weeks really, Scott talked about faith without works is dead. We see that message in the book of James. One of, if not maybe the most regular and prominent work of God in our lives, the demonstration of that saving faith, is our growth. It is not every day that 
that you or I lead somebody to the Lord and can think, wow, man, the Lord worked through me. This was a great day. But it should be every day that we get done with the day and say, wow, the Lord worked in me. He grew me. He brought me further and deeper into knowledge and love of him. This should be a daily work. Friends, if we don't know God deeply, then how can we possibly assume that we are not one of those whom Jesus says, I do not know you. Depart from me. I mean, if we don't know him, how could we possibly assume that he knows us? Even the ox and the donkey are in a better place. Matthew 7, 17 says, So every healthy tree bears fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Church, I don't have any joy in sharing this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that what you and I are going to find is that we are not where we want to be. Or we are not where we think we are. Is this you? Is this you? If it is right now, I want to pray with you. Because we need, the people of God need to turn to God in repentance. When we find that we are so far lacking that we may not even be in. So would you guys pray with me? And if, if this is you, then, then pray this with me. God, we just come before you right now. And, and God, we pray that you would receive us. For we know we have not sought you with our whole hearts, our whole minds, our whole lives. That we have put so much before you. We have exchanged the glory, your glory, for things of this earth and this world. God, I pray that we would be a people who turn to you, who turn towards you with our whole lives and seek after you every day with all that we are. God, I pray that this would be a prayer that we would pray every day until it's true, that our lives are turned toward you and you alone. Amen. Now, maybe you just prayed that prayer with me. <laughs> I've been praying it. What now? I mean, what does it mean to root in God? What does it mean? Here's a few things. We're going to walk through them. What does it mean to root deeply into God? The first is this. We need to eat the word. Okay? We need to eat the word. I did not say read the word. Right? I read a lot of things every day that do nothing for me. But whenever I eat a meal, it does something. Either it gives me some energy or it, you know, adds some pounds. We need to eat the word. Eat this book. Feast on it. Consume it. 
In the last 24 hours, how many times have you eaten a meal or a snack? Six? Three? Two? I don't know. I don't know where you are. Um, I know when I'm emotionally eating, it might be like 45, right? How many times in the last 24 hours have you eaten this book? For some of us, it's like we're starving, we're famished, we're running on empty, and right before it is food aplenty, but we won't stop and eat it, let alone feast on it. When my wife and I were moving out here to Colorado, uh, we had a lot of adventures. One of the ones I don't think I've ever mentioned here um, is that we ran out of gas. Our trailer was so heavy that our car did one of these things, and so it registered that we had gas when we had none. When we ran out of gas over the last three miles before that, we passed at least 30 gas stations. Right? I mean, you're going to run out of gas on 71, right? There's, no, there's nothing. I mean, we were less than like an eighth of a mile to a gas station when we petered out on the side of the road with nothing. See, we didn't know we were on empty. So we didn't stop and eat. Friends, we got to eat this book. We got to eat this book. We got to feast on this book. Number two, we got to pray. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to cop out on this one really quick, okay? Don knows this. If you want to try to teach on prayer, you need like five sermons, okay? But going back to verse 1 in Isaiah, or to, to, to chapter 1 in Isaiah, the ox knows his master. The way that we know our master is, by, is through prayer. It's time. It's, it's conversations and... Um, And I would love to give you a, here's 10 points on prayer, but I'm going to actually cheat and let God teach you this, okay? I don't know where your prayer life's at. Maybe it's really good. I know a few of us have really good prayer lives. Like, I am envious of some of your prayer lives. You have a really good prayer life, or maybe, I mean, you can kind of go down and, and down all the way to just, it doesn't really exist. Here is what I want you to do, no matter where you are on that. I want you to say every day, Lord, Make my prayer life better. Lord, help me to know you in prayer. Something like that. Pray that every day until it's true. Right? This is the kind of prayer that, that I don't believe God will ever leave unanswered. It's the kind of prayer that I don't think he'll ever say, nah, not going to do that one. This is his will. That we would know him. So if your prayer life is not what you know it should be, then ask him to help you with it. Ask him. Here's the next one. We need to wrestle with God. If you want to go deep and far, it requires a certain amount of wrestling. Many of you guys may know the story in Genesis of of Jacob. And Jacob is out in the wilderness and he encounters um, an angel or perhaps it's God himself. And and he gets in a fight with (laughs) this being and and he's fighting and he's fighting and he's actually doing really well and the angel or if it's the lord and i do think it's the lord uh, says let me go and he says no i will not go until i'm blessed at that point i think the lord turns around to him and says all right well then i'm going to change your name to israel 
Israel means to strive with the Lord, to wrestle with God. It's what it means. Church, we are the spiritual descendants of the nation of Israel. We are meant to wrestle with God. And if you never encounter anything of God worth wrestling with, then you're not deep enough. And you're not far enough. Some of us work really, really hard to know everything we can about politics, about sports stats, scores, and numbers. Fantasy football. That was for Scott. Celebrity gossip. The best fishing holes. Cars. I mean, you name it. You can put your own thing in there. Some of us, work, we work really, really hard to know this stuff. But we don't even spend one drop of our energy wrestling with God. The process of becoming a new person is not easy. Our old self is fighting to kill the new self. Did you know that? That when we are raised from the dead, our old self doesn't really want to go away. And so our old self is fighting our new one. We got to fight back. So friends, do you wrestle with God? I mean, when he calls you to something, you're like, I don't really want to do that. Do you have a wrestling match? That's okay. Jacob did and got blessed for it. God's going to win in the end. Wrestle with God. The next one actually ties back to last week's sermon. Um, you want to go deep, you need to connect with one another. You want to go deep with the Lord, you got to connect with one another. I've said this before, I will keep saying it. I can't know enough about God to encapsulate much, if any. But together, we the church, our experience of the Lord, together, how much more can we know of God than I can know of God? Ephesians 3, 17-19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How is it that we even have a chance of learning the breadth and length, height and depth in the love of God? It is with all the saints. I know a whole lot of people who try to do a whole lot of kingdom faith on their own. And they're missing this. They can't possibly have enough. We need each other. And when I think about that, I think about the largest living organism in the world. Does anybody know what the largest living organism in the world is? Somebody said sperm whale, I think, right? Was that? What's that? Our skin, I will have into aspen trees. Aspen trees are the largest living organism. They grow in such a way that even though they're individual trees in many cases, they, they tie themselves up with each other and actually bond to each other in their root systems. No matter what storm comes, they will not knock down an aspen grove. 
Because they're so tied together by their roots, rooted into the ground together. And we try to do this thing called faith on our own. See, I disagree. I don't think the largest living organism is the Aspen Grove. I think it's the church. And what would it actually look like if Calvary Lahana, if we were so intertwined in our roots with each other, and you mix that with some of the other faithful churches in the valley and across Colorado and the United States and the world and I mean, we're a pretty massive living organism, right? If we could just rely on each other. Friends, there's a lot of ways to connect really well. Here at church, we start here really a lot of times with the body, with our Sunday morning worship. We also think about our gather and our community groups, those things we do midweek. Uh, men's and women's ministry things fit that. Um, another level that, that we do, some of us do, is, is a DNA group where we're meeting with one or two or three other people, sharing life, doing stuff, praying. I've got a couple guys that I meet with every week. We text each other. Hey, man, how's it going? I know you're facing this temptation, this struggle. I know you got this thing going on. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. We go deep by going deep with each other. We go deep in the Lord by going deep with each other. Here's the last thing that I want to say. In this, I guess it's second to last, but the last one's short. If you want to go deep with the Lord, you need to read, listen, and watch. Read, listen, and watch to the right stuff. Now, I know some of you don't care about this at all. Uh, this isn't you at all. But there is some of us, and I am of the generation, and I know many and below and above me are, um, where it is really easy to sit down and watch Netflix for roughly, I don't know, 25 hours. You laugh because you know it's true, right? First of all, I just want to say that I'm not sure most of us should be on Netflix anymore. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there, and I don't just mean the most recent controversy. What do you listen to? What do you watch? What I started really doing this week and I've done it at various times, is that when I'm sitting there not doing other things, there's a lot of times when I am listening to a sermon, watching a sermon from either somebody that I know or somebody that I don't know. We live in an age right now where we have no excuse. There is so much to listen to, to watch and to read that will help us go deep but we so often trade those things for whatever else it is. You don't need to watch all 700 series of The Bachelor. The same thing happens every single time. And the same, same can be true about whatever show it is that you watch, it's, right? So friends, just read, listen, and watch. If you need help finding what to read, listen, and watch, send me a message. Um, you will have more than you can possibly fathom when you get done. It'll be a joy. And some of it will be aimed at you. Right? I'm just kidding. Finally, the last thing that I want to say, if you want to go deep, is you can't do it unless you're saved. You can't. Because we cannot 
raise ourselves from the dead. And a dead tree has no roots. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses. We've all seen dead trees. What are their roots doing? They're rotting away. Friends, we need Jesus to bring us to life that we can go deep in him. He's the gardener. Right, as we, and I love this image that I have, you know, these gnarly trees that are reaching through the rocks. He's the one that guides the branches around the rocks to the soil. If we want to go deep, we need to be in Christ. And maybe that describes you today, and maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't describe you today, then you need to know that you do not need to wait another minute before you ask him to root you in himself, in the rock That when the storms come, whatever else happens, we can have a firm grip through him. Amen? If that's you today, come find Scott after the service or myself, Stephen, Don, or anybody you know loves Jesus. And we would love to help you walk through what it means to be rooted in Christ. Would you all pray with me? God, as we come before you, Lord, I pray that our hearts would... Uh, First of all, repent if we need to, because Lord, we know that that you are infinite, and we know that we just do not pursue you with what you are worth. I pray, Lord, that, that we would be open to that and willing. God, I pray that we would never stop chasing after you, to know it's worth it. God, to know that that you will rescue us and pull us through. But God, that it is worth our time and our energy, our money, our lives, Lord, to pursue you with everything we have. And that anything less is sin. For that sin, Lord, we confess before you that we need forgiveness. We need your help to move forward. And we come before you, Lord, seeking that right now pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.